this is Michelle. It is the last week of January 2021, so one month removed from 2020. I'm not sure how things are going, but they are trending better. How are you, Suzanne? I would say that, trending better, but yeah, off to a little bit of a rocky start for us, but definitely trending better. Well, that's good to hear, you know. Being four weeks into January already, I haven't done my January resolution yet, but I have a couple days left. And by the time this episode actually is released in just under a week, I will be doing my yoga class. I've already set up the appointment. Good for you. So I'm excited about it. And I know it's just yoga and everyone does it, but I'm a little nervous also. Well, and I don't think everyone does it. But I do think I've done yoga and I love yoga. I haven't done it recently, but I think you're going to love it. I think it's going to be very addicting. I hope so. I got this really cool yoga mat and it has some of the different poses on it. So I should probably practice before I go in. So I'm not a complete newbie, even though I am. (laughs) I think one of them is the child pose and... Is it the downward dog? I can't even remember. Oh, I don't know. I'm terrible at remembering the names of poses. You can try to practice them. But from my experience, I think you have to go in as a newbie because if you practice them wrong, the instructor is going to correct you anyway. She's going to say, "Mm, no, that's not quite how you do it. So I can't really fake it till I make it on that one. In my opinion, no. I think you're just going to have to go in as a newbie. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, that's not my favorite thing to do. And also, another thing that's not my favorite thing to do is to procrastinate. And I was just getting after one of my boys about their procrastinating ways. And now here I am, with only like three or four days left in January, procrastinating. Well, I think that's okay because you're, you're on your way. I'm on my way. And... Being on my way to finishing January's challenge brings me to February's challenge, which you never responded when I sent you the email about what I saw online. What did you see online? I didn't respond because did I get this email? (laughs) Well, I sent it. It was actually by text. And I was scrolling through Facebook one day and I saw this camp that they're offering. Oh, it is actually a sleepaway. (laughs) reenactment of Friday the 13th. Yeah. And seriously, (laughs) is there any way in hell I would ever consider doing that? No. (laughs) No, No. it's actually no way in hell I would do that either. I guess I don't know how to respond to that other than hell no. What are you thinking? I wasn't thinking seriously about it, but I did send it to my other friend. And she's like, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun, don't you think? And I'm like, no. She goes, well, you know, they're not going to really hurt you, right? And I said, well, it would be my luck that the actor who's playing Jason gets murdered by a real murderer and then a real murderer is loosened. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wouldn't even think about it in those terms. I I can't even think that. I can't even put myself in the place of actually that happening because it's so far removed from anything I would ever consider doing. Yes, and it actually is. It's nothing I would ever do either. But I went pretty deep down this road of thinking about why I wouldn't do it. And yeah, that plot twist there. It could happen. It could happen. Oh, well, I doubt it. But 
<laughs> but like I said, I don't even put myself in that place. I, I can't, I can't even bring myself to put myself there. I can't do it. So anyway, but I apologize for not responding to the text because I did see it. And I think my first thought was, how do I even respond to that? And then I, and then I didn't. <laughs> well, I guess it'll be the escape room next month. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, That'll be scary yeah. enough. And I won't have anyone chasing me and the door will eventually unlock. So that's all good. So anyhow, I have listened to the episode that came out earlier this week, the one where we closed it talking about champagne and adding emergency into it. And then I get a call from you and no amount of emergency would have dealt with what you've been dealing with in your house lately. What happened? Well, I gave my husband a mountain bike for Christmas, something that he's been considering. Well, it goes back to probably September, October, when it was still really hot in Arizona. And I said, I think I want to get a Peloton. And Jeff was very much like, a Peloton in Arizona? We can just go out and ride bikes in the fresh air. And from then on, he was like, yeah, I want a bike. So I got him a bike. And then he and a really good friend of his decided to go out and try the bikes. This was just like two weeks ago. And he was just getting acquainted with his new bike. But And I, my theory is because he's left-handed, his dominant hand is on the wrong brake to use. So they head out on their bike and they picked an advanced trail, which probably wasn't a good idea first time out. But they picked an advanced trail and from Jeff's point of view, coming down a steep hill, was going too fast, hit the brake, but used his dominant left hand and hit the wrong brake. Now, I don't know if that's the front brake or the back brake, but he did a flip over on his bike over the front handlebars. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And ended up cracking his elbow in two places. But he decided that he was fine. <laughs> and so they got on their bikes again and kept going. No, they did not turn around and come home. They kept going. <laughs> Wait, he, he finished the ride injured with a broken elbow? Well, it gets better. So yes, he has an injured elbow, but of course he doesn't know it's cracked. They get on their bike. He thinks he's fine, you know, just bumps and bruises. So he gets on his bike again and keeps going. But now there's a certain numbness in the arm where he has cracked his elbow. So they hit kind of a rough spot on this advanced trail that they're on for the first time out on the bike. And he hits the brake again, but again, uses his dominant hand because he's kind of lost feeling in his right hand. And he hits the left-handed brake. He flips again over the handlebars and lands. He on- did it twice? Yeah, he did it twice. Landed on his left side this time and ended up cracking ribs <laughs> because he was trying to protect the right side of his body because of the bad elbow. <laughs> So, yeah, so he cracked his ribs on the right side. So then, apparently, and this part of the story I heard from the person he was riding his bike with. So they continued, and he fell again. And for- Shut up! Three times? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, he had a helmet on because the 
third time he fell, he got a gash right above his eye. And I think he probably, well, any one of those times, he probably would have had a concussion had he not had a helmet on, but he was wearing a helmet. So at that point, they decided to ride back with cracked ribs, a cracked elbow, and a gash in his head, not to mention the cuts and bruises all over his knees and legs. And anyway, so we he gets back. They sit in the hot tub for a while to see if that makes him feel better. He may have had a drink or two to see if that made him feel better. And after about six hours, he drives home. But he called the doctor because I was like, you got to go in. But we're still... Hopefully it's getting better, but we're still in COVID mode here in Arizona. And the doctor said, listen, the emergency rooms are swarming with COVID patients. Do not go to the emergency room. And this was on a Friday. So they said, just come into our office Monday morning. We'll get some x-rays. And then Monday morning, they call him and say, well, the doctor had to go into emergency surgery. You have to come in on Wednesday. So by this time, we're almost a week in. He couldn't get out of bed for a week. And we all know what a good nursemaid you are. <laughs> yeah, it's my living nightmare is what it is. It's it's a living hell. <laughs> and, and he goes to the doctor and the doctor says to him, well, if you had come in the first day, we probably could have done something with that elbow because there was a pocket of, what did they call it? A blood, not blood blister, but it's like a I'm squeamish. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry around his elbow that had filled with blood. And then the whole inside of his arm was black and blue. And the doctor said, we probably would have aspirated that had you come in on the first day. And then maybe we would have set that elbow, but now it's beginning to heal. So we don't really need to re-break the elbow <laughs> to set it. So we're just going to let it heal from here. And you can come back in two weeks and, and see how it's doing. And because of the cracked ribs, you have to get complete bed rest until you come back. We'll do redo x-rays in two weeks, make sure you're healing okay. Yeah, I mean, this story's going on way too long. But bottom line is, yeah, the last two weeks of January have been my living hell because my husband's been in bed and he can't move, can't lift over two pounds, trying to heal in tremendous pain and really can't do anything for him. Yeah, that's our life. Okay, well, you saved a lot of details about the story for this moment, I'm sure. <laughs> but the first thing I have to say is, oh my gosh, what a trooper. I cannot believe that he kept pushing forward on that bike ride after the first fall and then had two more falls. Oh my gosh. You say trooper, I say idiot. <laughs> Just that's... Well, I wasn't going to call him an idiot. He's not my husband. But I, I, mean, I mean, that internal fortitude that he must have had to not want to disappoint his friend and like shake it off. Right. You know, more power to him. After the first fall, I would have been limping back. I wouldn't have gotten back on the bike. I would have limped back. And he said they were three or four miles in on this ride by that time. So he would have had to walk three or four miles back. But he wouldn't have um, broken ribs had he done that. Or the gash in his head. Or, yeah, the I don't know when the skin knees and the blood streaming down his leg actually happened, <laughs> which fall. But, yeah. But it was a little discouraging. It was a little frustrating. So here we are. I would guess that Jeff now is regretting that decision after having you as a nursemaid for the past <laughs> two weeks. 
I think he was regretting some of the choices he made, but I think it was a really unfortunate accident. And he knows me well enough to know that I am not a good nursemaid and he's not a good patient. He's better off just staying in bed, staying out of sight. And he's good with that. I'm good with that. So that's really, and he is now up and moving around. He is getting his strength back. The wounds are healing. The blood sack on his elbow has gone down. So he is healing. He still has pain, but it's not as bad. So you do heal. Thank God. But not correctly. No. And the doctor says, wait, and you do. And now you're not going to get full mobility back in your arm. That's sad. And I think we stand by our decision not to go to the emergency room considering COVID. I think it's a shame, but then we would have had to go down that road again and deal with COVID and yeah, not worth it. So we stand by it. Well, that's good. I mean, you made the best decision you could in the moment, and that's what you're supposed to do. So no second guessing it at this point. Exactly. But if Jeff is listening to this episode, or if you could please tell him that I'm sending him wishes for a quick and speedy recovery. That's very nice of you. And I will tell him that. Well, thank you. And You know, just talking about this and COVID keeping so many of us out of the doctor's office, which people don't like to go to anyway, that's kind of a interesting thought or, hmm, I can't think of the right word. Topic of conversation? Topic of conversation. I like that. Yes, it is. Because personally, I hate going to the doctor and there are a list of reasons why and How do you feel about going to the doctor's office? I'm not going to steal your thunder because I know my reasons for not going to hating the doctor are the same as yours, but I hate going to the doctor. And there's only one thing I hate more than going to the doctor, and that's going to the dentist. But we can go down that road after we talk about doctor's visits. You tell me why you hate going to the doctor, and then I'll just sit here and agree with you because I know I will agree with you. Well... The biggest reason that I hate going to the doctor, and I'm thinking more of like an annual checkup, not because I, well, anytime I go to the doctor, actually, because they always do this to you and I hate it and I will put it off as long as I can. I do not like them having me step on a scale. I do not want to get weighed. Absolutely. If I'm at the doctor's office, I'm already having a bad day. There is some reason that I'm there. I don't need to get sad because I look at the weight on the scale and I can't look away. It's like a train wreck. I can't look away. I've got to see what it's going to say. See, that's funny because I can't look. It's like, if you're going to weigh me, fine. But if you tell me what it is, I'm marching out that door. I'm not going to, I do not want to know. I can't handle it. Yeah. About two years ago, I got influenza B. And my husband made me go to the doctor. He's like, you're not getting better by yourself. You have to go to the doctor. So I reluctantly go. They finally call me back. She walks me over to the scale. And I looked at her and said, I am not getting on that thing. I'm having a bad day. I have issues with my weight as it is. I'll give you a estimated weight. I'm not stepping on it. Good for you. Yeah. She's like, it's part of what we do. We need that in case you need medication. I'll tell you what I weigh. Like, I'm not getting on that. (laughs) Good for you. And you didn't, did you? You didn't get on? I did not get on it. Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't. And (laughs) I felt again a little bit like I had won a small victory because she heard me and did not make me get on that scale. But 
as stupid as it is or may sound, the fear of the scale keeps me out of the doctor's office. It keeps me out of the doctor's office as well. And I did resolve that in my mind when I decided that I could say to the nurse, I don't want to know my weight. You can know my weight. And I, when I get on a scale, I put my back to the scale so that I don't see it. And I will give the nurse the look of death. It's like, if you tell me what that number is, I am leaving. And so, because here's, here's my experience. So when I was 48 years old, I'll never forget this. I didn't want to see my weight. And I loved the nurse who weighed me. She was about 6'2 or 6'3. And she was a big woman. She was not overweight. She was not heavy. She was just big. So we're walking away from the scale and she's writing down my weight. And she says to me, I wish I had that number. And I was like doing a happy dance because it's like, "Ah, it's not as bad as I imagined that weight to be. So I go into the doctor, into the room and the nurse in the room says, oh, honey, don't get used to it. You're going to start packing on the pounds as soon as you turn 50. Another something to look forward to in the next five months. Great. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I didn't need to hear that. And I was feeling so good about her, the first nurse loving my weight and saying she wished she had my number. And even though she, you know, she's like five inches taller than me. And and then this other nurse just has to pop that bubble and say, mm, sorry, you know, you're going to start packing on the weight when you turn 50. It's like, I hate you. And so from that day on, well, I said, I'm never going to know my weight again. Never. For the rest of my life, I can live the rest of my life and not know my weight. And so far, I have maintained that. I do not know my weight. Well, I don't know mine either. I know how my clothes fit. I'm okay right now, I think. But when I approach the scale, I take off my shoes, my socks, my sweatshirt, and anything else I can. I'm damn near naked standing on it. Well, not really, but pretty close to not having the lot on just because I want that number to be a little bit lower. Oh, I know. I do the same exact thing. But tell me, okay, so we get past the getting weighed. What else about the doctor? Is that it? If you didn't have to get weighed, if you didn't have that anxiety about getting weighed, would you have a problem going to the doctor? There are a couple of reasons I don't like going into the doctor's office. First of all, if I'm sick, chances are other people are sick. So it's just that whole COVID thing we just kind of discussed with Jeff's thing and the decision you made. Another reason I don't like going to the doctor's office when I am feeling healthy, ignorance is bliss in my world. I don't have to worry or fear or fret about anything as long as I'm feeling healthy. So it's kind of not a very good way to look at going to the doctor's office. But that's how I rationalize my decision to put it off. And I relate to that. I understand that. And I agree with it. Yep. There's just one of those things I can't stand doing. Have you ever tried Teladoc? Yes. And in my mind, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. Yes. I love Teladoc. I've only successfully used it once and it worked like a charm. Yep. I thought the same thing. I've used it a couple times for just minor things that I needed. And it was, I thought, brilliant. I thought this takes a lot of the anxiety away. But why? Because I don't have to weigh myself. 
<laughs> but but you don't have to sit in a waiting room with other people. It's just great. Yes, and they come to you. You make the initial call or set up the initial appointment and they call you when they're ready. So it's not like you're killing time in a waiting room. You can be productive at home while you wait. Yes, I love it. So are there any other reasons why you don't like to go to the doctor's office? Well, I hate to say it, but there's that fear of finding something wrong. And it's that ignorance is bliss attitude. Like if I don't know, but I suck it up and I do my annual physical. Now I do it every two years on the recommendation of my doctor. It's like, yeah, you can do this every two years. But yeah, it's like, why can't I ever get over that? Just getting the test doesn't mean it's going to come back bad news, like you're going to have something. Right. I, you were even talking about that when you got your first COVID test, that just because you took it, that must mean you have it. Right. And if you have something that you have to deal with, the whole idea is, yeah, let's find out, let's fix it so we can move on. So why do I avoid it? Because I'm afraid that the answer is you have something bad. I guess because I don't want to face dealing with it. But in the end, dealing with it is the, the mature grown-up thing to do. Yeah. And after almost 50 years, you'd think I would embrace that lesson, but I haven't. No, I haven't, done it. I haven't either, but that's okay. But I have gotten better over the years. I definitely have gotten better about that. Although I have to say, and I'm trying to remember if I we talked about this before, but it's that idea of being that mature adult who, when you're setting up your appointment, like, yes, I'm doing this. I, I'm setting up my appointment. And then as the appointment gets closer, you rationalize why you should postpone that appointment or cancel that appointment. And the closer you get, you go from being that mature adult back down to your 10-year-old self who is panicked before they go in and would do anything to get out of it. And by the time you're actually there, my 10-year-old self is screaming, run, run for your life, get out while you can. So who usually wins when that happens? Do you usually call and cancel your appointment or do you push through and go to it? I think it really depends on, yeah, it depends on my state of mind given the circumstances. And I'll tell you, my most recent experience actually wasn't with a doctor, it was with a dentist, which is the one thing that's worse for me than the doctor is the dentist, because I had a bad tooth. And it's like the grown-up me made the appointment because I had to, because I was in excruciating pain. And then the grown-up me said, after you know taking care of the tooth, saying, okay, it's time to get back on schedule and take care of your teeth and get that teeth cleaning. And, and so I made the appointment and I said, you owe this to yourself, Suzanne, you have to go in, you have to get some of this stuff taken care of. And the grown up me won that first round where I went in for the exam, went in for the x-rays and the teeth cleaning. And then of course, there's follow up appointments and the follow up appointment, the 10 year old one, and I canceled the appointment. Well, first I postponed it. I pushed it back like two weeks and then I canceled it. So the 10-year-old in me won, I hate to say. Well, once you're out of that excruciating pain, it becomes something 
of a memory, a distant memory. And so I guess the follow-up care doesn't <laughs> seem as necessary, although it, it is necessary. It is necessary. I'm not going to lecture about it because I've already said <laughs> I don't like to go to the doctor unless I have to. I know. And the grown-up in me is back and I'm ready to face the dentist again and deal with the other issues that I have in my neglected mouth. So did you make an appointment yet? Um, no, <laughs> not yet. But you're thinking about it. I, I have not given up on it. I haven't said, forget it. I'm not ever doing this again. I know that I'm going to do it. I just not quite yet. And right now I'm still able to blame COVID. It's like, mm, no, dentist office, not a safe place to be when there's still COVID. But yeah, that excuse is wearing thin as time goes on. So, so here's an interesting question. You have your doctor, your dentist, and your eye doctor. For you, which one is the most painful appointment to go to? What is your least favorite of the three? Hands down, the dentist. And they don't weigh you at the dentist. Hands down. I hate the dentist. Just everything about it. The x-rays, they hurt your mouth, the, the sound of the, the cleaning machines. Yep. Everything. And I don't know why. And I have two people in my life, my a sister-in-law and a daughter-in-law, who both have said to me, I love going to the dentist. In fact, my sister-in-law will have her teeth cleaned every three months in every, instead of every six months because she loves having her teeth cleaned. And my daughter-in-law is like that. She's very much, I would do this every month if I could because it feels so good when you're done. Is a foreign, foreign concept to me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, it's a foreign concept to me too. I, uh, I go because I have to, and I, I do keep my dentist appointments. <laughs> you don't have that 10 year old. Fighting. No, I do. Oh, well, <laughs> I do keep them. The dentist of, of the three different types of appointments, the dentist appointments would be the one that I would keep pushing back a little bit if I could. Oh, I can just wait another week or, hey, I think that's going to be a busy day. I'll just see if I can reschedule. I will push that appointment back. And I really always keep my eye doctor appointments or once a year. Right. And the only thing about the eye doctor appointment, which probably makes it one of the worst appointments for me, is I cannot stand to have drops put into my eyes. For them to hold my eye open and get the drops in uh, takes an act of God. Really? It really does. Yes. I squirm. I flinch until the last time I went into the eye doctor, he showed me a really cool way to put drops in. You just put the drop like at the, um, the corner of your eye next to your nose. I don't know what that little spot's called. The cor corner yeah, of your the, eye. The cor yes. Yeah, the corner of your eye. <laughs> yeah, okay, so your eyes closed. You put the drop on the corner of your eye and then you flutter your eyes open and it gets into your eye and I can do it that way. I can even do eye drops for myself that way. Wow. Yeah, it's changed everything. And I love those life-saving tips, those life-changing tips, I should say. But you clearly never had to wear contacts because I wore contacts for years. So eye drops in the eye is standard when you wear contacts. Right. There is there is no way I, I could put anything into my eye like that. Absolutely no way. Yeah. See, and and that to me, because when you mentioned eye doctor, it's like, eye doctor, who cares about the eye doctor? I could go to the eye doctor all the time because I wore contacts for so many years. It It's second nature to me. 
and doesn't phase me at all. Well, you are lucky then. So keep that appointment. I hope the mature Suzanne (laughs) keeps that appointment. Yeah, I don't even think that one for me counts. I don't even think I have to draw from my maturity to get that appointment to go to the eye doctor. It's like, yeah, yeah, I, I better go have my eyes checked. No big deal. But the doctor and the dentist, on the other hand, yeah, I have to dig deep and find mature Suzanne. And so have you had bad experiences going into like the dentist or the doctor's office that have kind of scarred you and have made you take that approach to, I mean, I know the weight thing and everything, but is there another reason why the doctor's office is off-putting to you or the dentist's office is off-putting, off-putting to you? No, I can honestly say no. In fact, as a child, my dad, to make going to the dentist fun, it was tradition that we would go to the dentist and have our teeth cleaned in the morning. And then my dad would take us to lunch at our favorite ice cream parlor after going to the dentist and we would have milkshakes. So my dad did everything he could to make the dentist a good experience for us. And I hope he waited the hour after the fluoride treatment before you had your milkshakes. Well, yes, I do remember our okay. our dentist lived was at least a half an hour, 45 minutes from our house. So by the time we left the dentist and got to Atz's for the name of the ice cream parlor for lunch to have our milkshakes, it was well within that after the hour. But I don't even remember that. I don't even remember that you have to wait an hour after fluoride treatment. <laughs> I, I That's one of those things that I blocked out of my head. Yeah, that must just be the retentive part of me. I don't forget things like that because it comes between me and my food. Yeah. (laughs) And I like to eat. Have you ever seen me eat and drink, Suzanne? No, 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 (laughs) never. So anyhow, I have had bad experiences, though, going to the doctor that one of them is probably why I haven't gone back. Well, I can say that. So tell me what experience would cause you to not ever want to go back? Well, to be fair, my doctor did end up retiring and he was my um, OBGYN and he had been my doctor for over 20 years. So first of all, that's a hard adjustment when you're so used to being with the same person, you know what the exams are, he knows what your issues are. It's hard to make that change. So I'll put that out there first. He was retiring, so I had to find another doctor. But I was in the middle of an exam and they're uncomfortable anyway. And he took a phone call (gasps) Oh, to schedule his dinner reservation. (gasps) No, that is bad. That is so bad. Yeah. So I was kind of like, wow, you've been my doctor a really long time. If you feel comfortable enough to do that while I'm sitting here in stirrups. Yeah. It was time for him to retire. (laughs) It was. He was a very good doctor. It was just in that last appointment. Yeah. That did happen. And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, this is something that's never happened to me before. (laughs) I'd say so. It's interesting that you mentioned that too about the retiring because it was probably two or three years ago. And I think you do hit a certain age in your life where all of a sudden everyone retires that are your doctors, your dentists, because I had that happen. My Well, my family practice doctor and my OBGYN were in the same practice, and they retired within a year of each other. So all of a sudden, I had no family practice doctor and no OBGYN. And then my dentist 
I've been through a dozen dentists, but my dentist that I was pretty comfortable with retired the same year as the OBGYN. And it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, you have to start over and find a new person. And that's a tough thing to do when you've been with someone for 30 years. That's a really tough thing to do when somebody has your whole health history. And he's the only doctor that I had because he would handle all my issues. He was like my family doctor too. He was the one I went to when I need medication or I wasn't feeling good and wonderful doctor. He retires. Then what do I do? I have to find another doctor, which is hard. You don't want to just trust anybody. So I did find a doctor. Of course, I have to get in shape before I go there because they're going to put me on the scale and I'm going to look. And so I was very regimented in those weeks before going. My resting heart rate was really low. So she comes in, she's talking to me and she's like, wow, your resting heart rate is spectacular. Only you and serial killers. Oh, sure. I know. So I'm like thinking, what? And she goes, yeah, serial killers have a very low resting heart rate. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not a serial killer. So interesting fact, I'll file it away and I'll share it someday on a podcast. (laughs) But she did say that to me too. What a strange thing to say to someone. I think I would probably have rebuked that in an appointment. I would have said, why? Why are you telling me this? It's like, I don't need to know that information. Now, had it been my doctor for the past 20 years, I probably would have said that, but this is a new doctor. Oh, yeah. And then the best part is I go to a new doctor and they ask me, we are a teaching office. Is it okay if I have some of the students come in and observe your appointment? I've had that happen. No shit. My very first one. And yeah, I was so embarrassed. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Because they just expect you to say, oh, sure, that's no problem. Then you have students in the appointment with you. Yes, I did ask that they leave the room while I asked the questions that I had, but they were down there for the exam part, which you're very vulnerable in that position. That was not very much fun. So those kind of have been my most recent experiences going, but I do have to put on my big girl panties and find a doctor and commit to going because I am getting older mammograms are so important and those checkups are so important too. So I'm going to put that challenge there right now that I am going to go to the doctor in 2021. I am too, but I do go to the doctor every year for my annual exam. Although I have to say my last annual exam was April of 2019 because April of 2020 was COVID. And I have not been back for my annual exam since April of 2019. But my doctor did say at the time, every two years is okay moving forward. Right. So we'll just challenge each other. It's early in the year. So we have 11 months to procrastinate. We do. Although, depending on COVID, I'm going to be in the doctor in April. If I feel like it's safe, I will be there for my annual exam in April because that's when it should happen. So, And I will try to go in April too, because I should be getting ready for that wedding and doing all those yes. things to get ready for it. So I should be in very good shape by the time I go in April, as long as I can commit to my health routine. <laughs> 
and not get distracted by a glass of champagne or that bag of Doritos or yes, it's going to be salads. Yes. Okay. So I do have to tell this quick story. I'm not going to refer to who it is in my life, but they also go in for their annual exam every year religiously. And last year, and it's a male friend of mine, he goes in January. And last year in January, he went in and he weighed 185 pounds. I got a call from his wife this morning. He was in for his exam and he weighed 239 pounds this morning, a year later. COVID will do that to you. COVID will do that to you. But that in my mind is shocking. And it has put me in red alert mode. Like, okay, Suzanne, if that can happen to him, we don't even want to know what's going on with my weight. And Is that like 54 pounds? Yes. Yes. In a year. I mean, I didn't even know you could gain that much weight in a year. That's what's so scary about this. And, you know, you kind of fool yourself, you know, you have those reasons, well, it's COVID and we're in isolation and, you know, so I'm going to make banana bread, <laughs> I'm going to eat cookies. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, you would have to put me on suicide watch if I gained 54 pounds in a year. And I'm thinking if it can happen to him, it can happen to me. I mean, I'm older than he is. I'm female. I mean, it's terrifying. And it does just sneak up on you. It like, does. Those feel a little bit snugger. I just say it's because my washing machine shrunk them. <laughs> but really, there might be another issue going on. <laughs> I know. And I do have to laugh on that note. Right after this conversation I had this morning, I come back and my husband, who is feeling better from his injuries, has put in a load of laundry in the washing machine. And he put my favorite pair of pants in that load. <laughs> I about had a coronary. It's like, oh my God, you just washed my favorite pair of pants. They're never going to fit me now because you just washed them. And I'm thinking about my friend who gained 54 pounds. And I'm thinking if I've gained 54 pounds and my husband just washed my pants, I'm toast. I am in big trouble. Well, at least you can blame it on Jeff's washing skills. Right. Exactly. If they don't feel right when they come out of the washer. Yeah. Because you probably just recently worn them. So you know what they should feel like. So just keep that memory in the front of you. <laughs> yeah. And again, I have digressed off of our topic, but the 54 pound weight gain in one year. And I just saw this man and he did not look like he had gained 54 pounds. He absolutely did not look like he had gained that much weight. It's shocking to me. It's so disturbing. Men hide it well. They do hide it well. So my resolution moving forward before my April appointment that I am going to schedule, it's going to be not hardcore, but lifestyle change so that it's not too shocking when I get on that scale. Although it doesn't matter really, because I won't know what that number is anyway. <laughs> right. Just keep that in mind. The only other bad experience I've had at the doctor's office that keeps me out was a case of bedside manner, which, you know, sometimes things just can go without being said. So again, the same time where I told the nurse I was not going to get on the scale already caused a little bit of a scene out there. I go back into the room and the doctor finally comes in and he looks at me and says, wow, you 
look really sick. I'm not going to shake your hand. <gasps> oh. <laughs> okay. First of all, I don't want to shake your hand. I just want medication to feel better. But that didn't need to be said. No kidding. As a professional doctor, you don't go in and say, wow, you look really sick. I'm not shaking your hand. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, not a really bad experience. Just kind of like, what? Like, But those are the things that stick in your mind when it comes time to make the next appointment. You remember those things and that's what happens. Right. And please, everybody, this was not an episode bashing on doctors, dentists, or eye doctors. It, it really wasn't. It's just our approach going into the doctor's office, why, why we struggle to get in there. Doctors do amazing things. They heal. They prescribe medication. They're supportive and they know what they're doing where we don't have that training and education. We just have mental blocks that won't get us into the office. Right. And we're letting our 10-year-old selves rule our world, <laughs> our medical world. Right. And we, we do know better. And so that is our challenge that we're putting out there for ourselves that before the end of 2021, we will have eye doctor appointments, dentist appointments, and doctor appointments. Yes, we will. It'll make my husband happy because it really does irritate him that I haven't been to the doctor. Yeah. And Jeff is like that. If he has to go to a doctor, he goes to a doctor. If he has to go to the dentist, he goes to the dentist. Same with the eye doctor. He does it. And it's no big deal to him. He just does it. Like, okay. Yeah, you just part of your routine and it, it does need to be part of our routine like anything else. So everybody listening, I know you can relate. Make those doctor's appointments, make those dentist appointments, make the eye doctor appointments because we're all in this together and it really is about keeping us safe and healthy as we approach what comes next in life. And on that note, I think we should end it with a cheers. I think that's a good idea. Let's end it on a positive note. Cheers to 2021 and our health and well-being. That's right. Our good health. Okay. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Orange Juice Optional. What many of you wouldn't know is that this podcast has been a shared vision of ours for many years. And knowing what we know now, I can't believe we've waited so long to make our vision a reality. Right? I really think the hesitation on our part came from all the unknowns of podcasting. The biggest unknown being the toughest one. Where do we begin? That's when we found Podigy and Riley. And you know, if we had Godsend music, I'd cue it right now. Riley is a know-everything-about-podcasting kind of guy, and the best part for us was that he was so nice and down-to-earth about everything. And by everything, I mean he answered so many questions, he gave so much reassurance, and he offered advice on things we hadn't even considered. Initially, Podigy helped us choose our recording equipment, find our music, create our artwork, and set up our templates for recording. And seriously, how many Zoom calls did setting up the templates take? Probably too many to count because we are a technology challenge. But the best part of each one of those calls was the reassuring voice on the other end. I love that about Podigy. Now that our podcast setup is complete and things are running a bit smoother, knock on wood, Podigy is going to edit each upcoming episode, do our show notes, and get our show out there for the listeners. Their help takes so much off our plate that all we really need to worry about is our friendship, next week's topic, and if it's an orange juice needed kind of day. So if you're interested in podcasting, please don't let the unknown stop you. Please check out Riley at podigy.co. That's P-O-D-I-G-Y dot C-O. 
They have packages available based on each show's individual needs. Thanks again, Podigy. Our next toast is for you. Cheers. Cheers.